That's a hockey, you know, it's only, it's only game. Why you have to be mad? You know why? Because bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. What's up, you beauties? Welcome to episode 3.28 of High and Wide Radio, where we talk all things Philadelphia Flyers. I'm Jim, and I'm joined by my PIC, Jack Smith. Uh, we're back. First episode after Chuck Fletcher conference. Uh, we're going to talk mostly about that in this episode. Uh, please make sure you're listening to us tomorrow or when this episode drops on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the full press coverage app, and hopefully as soon as this weekend on bellyupsports.com. And while you're at it, you can do this right now. Check out our site, hwhockey.net. Jack, a lot to get to. A lot to talk about. Chuck Fletcher's news conference today. How are we feeling? Do you feel any better? Was it pretty much what you thought? Were you somehow let down? Where do you kind of stand? Well, I saw one meme today, and it basically was somebody holding up a sign that said, we had low expectations, but holy... (laughs) And... This is how it makes me feel. This is me pouring some wine, right? So, um, yeah. So, no, that's fancy. Oh, uh, it's you know, it, it's an aerator or something. It's supposed to be good for pouring. I, I really don't know. I just started drinking wine, but um, I don't. I slur my words less, so that's good. Um, You're already pouring a glass. Usually, Jack doesn't really crack out the alcohol till we're about 15, 20 minutes in, but we're two minutes in. Jack's drinking already. This pod, or, uh, this broadcast almost started uh, when I was still at work. I almost started drinking then because you kn- and I knew it was going to be rough. I knew it was going to almost be a waste of time. I knew it was going to be fancy speak, and I just it was a whole lot of eye rolling and you know just comments that make you just say, "Well, why didn't you do anything then?" Kind of stuff. And some of the responses we saw from people did make me chuckle. Mostly in a sarcastic manner. Some people who kind of came to his defense a little bit was a little head scratching to say the least. Um, ultimately, it boiled down to, and I put this on Twitter, Chuck Fletcher said he has a pretty tough job. He has <laughs> a hard job. Um, every other team in the NHL, and particularly our division, got pretty pretty good, got better, and we just, we didn't. So I, it's a hard job, though, you know. Nobody wants to answer the phones, even though Chuck is the one that constantly on the phone. He's spending an awful lot on the time, a lot, awful lot of time on the phone, getting a whole lot of nothing done. Yeah, I think that was the frustrating part to me. Was it, it was excuses right away? It was yeah. oh, it's a it's a different season, and you know we're gonna get. There's two sides to everything, right? Um, I think everyone's immediate reaction is. Oh my God, like we've had enough. It's all it is is more excuses. There's 30 plus other teams going through the same stuff. And here we go. The Flyers aren't mentally tough enough. They're not emotionally invested in the season. Some guys are handling it okay. Some guys are not. And it's like, dude, there's an entire league going through the same stuff. This is not just happening to the Flyers. They're just not handling it as well as everybody else. And I think we all had higher expectations. You know, I think. Before the season started, 
personally, I was giving Chuck Fletcher the benefit of the doubt, uh, you know, because it was very easy to say there's an expansion draft coming up. You have to protect certain players, specifically Sanheim Myers Provorov on defense. They can't really go out and get a guy because they'll leave somebody exposed. Uh, you know, there's this whole COVID thing with the, the cap not moving for a couple years, puts a wrench in your plans. Maybe he was going to spend, maybe he wasn't, who knows? So I was giving him the benefit of the doubt there that he had some different waters. He had to navigate a little bit, you know, and change his plans on the fly. But, uh, what he put together is just not working out. And it's hard to find aside from individual play. I'm looking at Sean Couturier, James Van Riemsdyk, Joel Farabee. It's very hard to find bright spots. What are we, 30, 31 games into the season? They, mm-hmm. they haven't looked great as a team since game one, right? Even, even when they won, I think they won the first two games against Pitt. It was like, okay, well, they outscored them, but the, if they continue to play like this, they're, they're going to give up some goals, and here they are. I think they're second in the league in goals against. And what I was surprised about in this press conference is Fletcher kind of owned up to that a little bit, a little bit. He said the roster as is, it's the, it's not the right mix of guys. He said they need to go out, bring in a player or two, and, and they need to get the right mix of guys in that locker room. So he knows. He knows they have an issue. He knows that this team as is, is not it. And I think I tweeted earlier, knowing is one thing. But actually doing something about it is another thing. Because he knew in the offseason, right? You had to know uh, just going back and, and watching this team play in the bubble. Not much has changed from the bubble. I mean, they, they had Niskanen in there. They had Pitlick. Those guys are gone. Uh, they brought in Gustafson and, you know, not much else. And they look terrible. Even when they win, they look bad. Uh, so there's a lot of issues on this team. And uh, we'll, we'll get to some of what was talked about uh, right now. So I'll ask you here, Jack, uh, we'll pretend that you're the GM and then we'll go through Chuck's answer. Okay. So do you feel like you're going to be buyers or sellers in the coming weeks? Do you have to be closer to the deadline to determine that? Uh, My answer for that would be, you always have a better idea closer to the deadline. However, we are always looking to improve our team in the now and in the future and looking at the team now, we should be buyers in the sense that this season can still be salvaged potentially. Um, if the way I feel about certain players and things comes to fruition, and this really was just a bad month, but I also would make that same move with the future in mind. I wouldn't go out and buy a 36 year old vet. Who's going to you know walk or retire after free agency and give up picks and prospects to get that. So I, we are buyers. Um, uh, we, So I wouldn't say we're sellers yet. There's not much I have of value to sell. Um, I get the whole idea of getting rid of things you don't want, but what is that at this point? Like, what what would we, what would we trade? You know, so they have to be buyers, whether it's for this season or next or both, they have to be buyers. The team needs to get better. Um, The expansion is going to throw some things off and could change the makeup of our team. Uh, We'll, we'll have to see, but as right as it stands right now, I can't say we're out. We're only a few points out of the playoffs, so I I cannot say that we're sellers. We we're buyers for the now and for the future. You just want you you can't hear you. Sorry about that. I put myself on mute there. I had my dog barking in the background. So he said that they're not looking to sell right now, 
And, you know, I, I would imagine that most of us didn't think that they were going to. Uh, he mentioned that they have not received many calls. And, you know, I kind of made a tongue in cheek comment on Twitter earlier, like who in their right mind would be calling the flyers for players. And uh, I think Bill Meltzer actually commented and said, you know, any smart GM would kind of be sniffing around the flyers right now because they have underachieving players who could they, who they could possibly uh, buy on the cheap. I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, which yeah, player would you explore that a little bit? Yeah, who would you buy from so, the Flyers for cheap? What underachieving player would you grab that isn't like the Flyers wouldn't be giving up on their potential in their future? Like Myers? Like, yeah, do you think the yeah. Flyers would be stupid enough to move? Like, and now when his value is rock bottom, you hang on to him. It's not like he's making a shitload of money. You know, I mean, Gustafson's only here for this year, so that's nothing. Nobody cares about Hager Braun, really, in the wall, in the grand scheme of things. You know, and Hag's hurt anyway. Uh, Ghost has been on the trade block for the last three years, so that's nothing new. So what, Lawton's looked pretty decent. Farabee's young. J- JVR is not underachieving. But were they going to ask for Voracek? Like I, I don't know who, what player with the Al Kubel is that, is that something? Bags. Yeah, Connor Bunneman. Like I, I don't, I don't understand. Raffle. Like if they move with Raffle or something like that. I, you know, they're looking to move it on from him anyway because he's getting more money with each year. Although I'd like to him, them to bring him back for next year. I don't think some of these young kids are quite ready yet. Um, but, like, I don't – who would that be? They, I, I don't understand. Elliot? They need all these guys for next year. Like, what? I don't know what underachieving guy who fits that who's not young. Patrick? You think they're going to give up on Patrick? The ty- kinds of teams that are going to call for that are going to be teams like Nashville, which puts us right back to where we were anyway with buying. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I didn't, you know, with all due respect to Bill, because I love Bill, I think he's a great guy, he does great things. I kind of thought that was more of a snarky response, like an I'm smarter than you kind of response than anything else, because it's like, who are the Flyers going to trade? You know what I mean? And, and value. Like, who are you going to buy on the cheap from the Flyers? And if you if you buy Voracek on the cheap, you're going to take that Albatross contract. So it's like, I don't know, maybe, you know, nobody, there's nobody on the Flyers that teams are going to be calling in for, believe me. Uh, and if they do, they come with some sort of baggage. Patrick with the migraines, uh, Voracek with the contract, JVR with the contract. Uh, so what I found interesting here, uh, what Chuck Fletcher said they, they will do is they want to explore moves um, or, or look for pieces that can help now and in the future. So they're not looking for any you know uh, short-term fixes. At least this is what I'm taking from that. Um, so I'm assuming they're not going to go out and they're not going to go trade for a, a vet on a one-year deal, something like that. I'm hoping that means they're looking at a defenseman we were talking about last night a little bit, Ryan Ellis, a guy who's hurt right now, but he will definitely help and, and be in the plans for the next five, six years on this roster. It could be an interesting name. Um, so I guess if there's anything to look forward to, it's – Chuck knows that this roster, as is, is not it, and he knows he needs to make a couple moves. So we can, exp- if we're to trust him, which from what I've heard, I'm not sure we should, but we can expect to see a move or two in the future, whether that's coming this season or in the off season. I don't know. <clears throat> well, we something move- I don't know if anything gets done this year, mm-hmm. but in the off season. It's, you're losing somebody to Seattle. So we know that money, whether we like it or not, whoever it is, some kind of cap space is going to open up and they're going to have to make some moves or something. I hope that they 
he pulls off the impossible and, you know, Voracek goes the other way as much as he's, as long as he's been with his team and whatnot, that money can be spread out and spent so much better elsewhere. Honestly, yeah. it really can. We all know it. Yeah. I, I'm not keen on cutting guys like Sanheim and Myers. Just I, look, they're having bad seasons. Everybody's having bad seasons. Like it, it's bad. And just to, to cut bait, I think it's a bad idea. It really is. If you want to mix somebody into a trade, like we talked about the Travises or something here, something there. Apparently these 2021 picks aren't going to be worth much. Um, you know, see, see what you can, would you throw the line out there, see what you can get, but you're not going to, you know, trade guys like Limblom and whatnot. Like you're going to trade the guy with cancer. Who's finally, who beat cancer and he's finally trading, uh, playing better. He's putting, he's, you know, he fought, he fought for you when nobody would fight, you know, he scored, he had a two goal game the other night. He's the only contributed in the only win we had. Like they're, they're just, it doesn't make sense. So like, I, I think that this, I don't believe in him to make a move to salvage this season, but this off season should be very busy. It's almost, he almost can't not make it busy. Like I, I truly believe because of the draft uh, or the um, Seattle, the expansion draft, he, he has to do something because he's losing something and money will be freed up. So because of that factor alone, he almost has no choice. It'll be a busy off season. And if all that happens is we lose somebody to Seattle and he puts in like another Gus on somewhere else and he's, he's going to be on the hot seat all season. Yeah. And rightfully so. So, rightfully so yeah, let's get into the next question from the conference here. And the question is how much blame for this season should be placed on the coaches do you look at the coaches for the blame of the, the regression in certain areas of play? What do you think, Jack? Yeah, it's hard not to. Um, well, first off, let's just talk about AV real quick. Um, I've liked what he said. I like that he kind of throws his, you know, cert, I don't want to say under the bus, but he, he says what's wrong with the team. However, he's the guy in charge. No matter what happens, you look to the coach, just like you would to the captain. And you have to say, like, what's going on, man? Like, your team's not playing well. They're not disciplined. They're not uh, playing a good system, your system, uh, they were playing last year. Why can't you get that message to them? Why can't they do this and that? That's an issue. Now, we know, as knowledgeable hockey fans, that the player personnel is not there. We, we know that. So I can't. I can't even put like barely a third of the blame, maybe a quarter of the blame would go toward the coaches and even less towards AV because then we'll jump over to, to yo and uh, Terry and yo, I can't say too much about penalty kill. wasn't as good as it was last year, but we realized when like uh, Couturier came back, it immediately got better, you know? And the main thing is the goaltending is always going to be your best penalty killer and they've been rough. So there's only so much you can do with that. Um, Terry come on. How's he still here? Like, so if you have to send a message, what are you truly losing? It just seems odd to me. And if he runs two of the worst things, this team has had the power play and the defense. So tell me again, what exactly is he doing for you? Why is he here outside of being a former head coach and pals with Terrian? I have, I don't have the slightest clue in the world. So um, do I blame the coaches? You can't, you can't not blame the coaches, but we all kind of know the elephant in the room here. It's not the coaches, it's something else. I think he had an opportunity to address that even before the question was asked because, you know, we talked a little bit about this last night and obviously responsibility falls on the players to execute the system in place and the response, because Chuck's Fletcher, Chuck's response was, you know, there's a, 
I got to be accountable. The coach has got to be accountable player. I mean, it's the same, you know, GM corporate jargon. You know, everyone's got to hold themselves accountable. Uh, they're still in the playoff playoff hunt. Uh, they've been in, they've been inconsistent. They need to be more consistent. Blah blah blah. You know, the same old bullshit story. And if you wanted an honest answer from Chuck Fletcher, he could say yes. And there's a coach in particular that needs to be better. The team's defense as a whole is not great. And the power play has been almost nothing this year. They've gotten almost nothing from the power play aside from JBR. And there's one guy responsible for both, and that's Michelle Terrian. Uh, now, obviously, he's not going to come out and throw him under the bus, you know, because he didn't fire him yet. So it doesn't make sense to come out in the press conference and, you know, and, and embarrass him like that. But if if I'm Chuck Fletcher and that question is posed to me, the first name that pops into my head is Terry and needs to get this the team together. I, for me, he's got a, he's on a short leash. If you don't see an improvement in the in the overall team defense or the power play, one or the other needs to improve. They cannot both suck, and you're responsible for both, in my opinion. Did you uh, hear um, Jim Jackson? Uh, I think I don't know if it was the last game of the game before, but he straight up got frustrated with the power play to where he was like, he told Keith Jones, he was like, I, I don't know, Jonesy, but this whole slingshot power play offense just isn't it doing it for me anymore in so many words. It's like he like called out the entire way the, the power play gets into the zone with the whole slingshot pass and all that, and they've been doing that as definitely as long as Terrian's been here, if not longer. And if that's not – now, I know it's only the, the commentators, but still, if that's not like a – yeah, it's, it's not working. Like, we need change. I don't know what is. So when we say this is like an easy one, we don't know what they're waiting for. Mm-hmm. So before we get to the next question from the news conference, let's kind of cover one of the questions here in the side comments. Anthony DeMeo. Anthony, thanks for hanging out with us. His comment reads, Fletcher never replaced the sandpaper guys, guys like Pitlick, Thompson, Grant, and Niskanen left, and he didn't find anyone to replace them. They skate around, and no one goes in front of the net like they should. Now, we've talked about this on past episodes. We know that you know there is some importance to players like this. Um, what are your kind of thoughts there, Jack? It's 100% true. I mean, th- these teams are not afraid. To, they can do whatever they want. They get away with it whatever they want. Can't You can never put the game in the, the officials' hands because they're going to screw it up, as we'll probably talk about either later or on another show about that whole fiasco. Mm-hmm. But guys just park themselves right in front of the net, and they, they're right there for these easy rebound goals because nobody does anything to get them out of there. You know, it, it, they – they walk all over us. They they jackhammer Scott Lawton at center ice. And while that may have been a funky play, it was dirty and nobody really saw it. But the fact that nobody reacted to that, I'm player on that team. Like, yeah, we they just broke Scott Hartnell's skull at center ice. And this team did nothing. We can do whatever the hell we want. They don't give a shit. You know, it took a guy like Limblom to get his first career fight for somebody to finally say enough. And I, one, don't want him doing that more. I want him doing skillful things. And two, he shouldn't be the guy doing that. Like, come on. Like, I've always – this has always been on the back burner for me. But seeing as they have nobody and they're so soft, like, it's ridiculous. It's like – it's almost at the forefront with the defense, how bad it is. Like, it's embarrassing. And as you guys have said, if you're going to lose, like, give a shit. Go down fighting. Go down swinging. Instead, we're losing 9 nothing, and nobody throws a nothing, a stick check. 
Like nothing. It's embarrassing. It sucks. And when we play the Rangers again, that should be a game where we're hitting everybody in sight because they embarrass us. And I bet you they don't. I bet you they just try to win and go down three nothing in the first period. Yeah, and you know what? And you know, guys listening, if if I'm wrong, make sure you let me know in the comments or Jack if if you disagree with what I'm about to say. Part of having guys like that on your team, if another team does start to run the score up on you a little bit, like the Rangers did, because nine nothing is another team running the score up on you. You can stop at five six, you know what I mean? Um, and I and I know they got six in the second, so the third, you know, you can skate around, play possession game, or you could say it's the NHL, score as many times as you want. But if you have guys on your team that take offense to that and go, you're going to stop at seven or I'm going to, I'm going to kick your ass. Basically, you know, you're going to be in ice. You're going to be in through a straw. If you score another goal, this is what's going to happen. Right. And so now if you're, if you're the opposition, you might laugh it off, but you have a little bit of doubt in your mind. Now, maybe I don't want to, maybe I don't want to go into the dirty area. Maybe I don't want to score again. Or the next time you play, it's, you know, man, I don't know if I do this, is he going to come after me? This guy's a little bit nuts, you know, nine, nothing is a disgrace. And the, and the way that they played during that entire game was a disgrace. I think that is something that needs to be addressed. And it's interesting because we talk on here and we're like, yeah, you know, they need one or two pieces and it's actually not true. You know, they're missing some of the guys that uh, Anthony mentioned here. Um, let's say they do go out and get a, a defenseman or two. They're still missing those guys on the, on the bottom pairing lines. Uh, he followed up his comment with another comment as those guys create space for your skill guys. And, and it's true. Uh, in my opinion, they make the game easier for your skill guys. You know, the skill we're seeing it. You mentioned Scott Lawton got flipped on his head, Jack. That never happens. Like the only reason that kind of stuff happens is because a player like Curtis Lazar, who's not known to be a tough guy, knows he can get away with that because there's not anybody on the other team that's going to do anything about it. There's no fear in his mind that if he flips Scott Lawton on his head, who's going to come after him, right? Oscar Lindblom, Travis Konechny, he's going to he's going to kick the shit out of both of them. Um, so it's it's kind of like a mindset, and I'm not sure the Flyers are on the right end of that spectrum. They're kind of the team that has to fear the other guys because they don't have anybody, you know. And, and I'm not saying they need a goon because people today, when they when they hear what I just said, automatically they go. Well, that era of hockey's done. That that doesn't happen anymore. There's no more goons in the NHL. No one's saying goons. I'm not even saying Tom Wilson or Ryan Reeves. I'm just saying well, a guy that's going to go out and put his body on the line for his teammates. That's so do all. me a favor. Pull up uh, Mike Tierce's latest comment real quick because it goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. The sure. other, the, next, the next one. Okay. So up, Mike? so here here's the answer to that. The Capitals blew them out like 7 nothing, and Ray Emery beat the living shit. I think it was Holpe, right? He beat the, it was Holpe was in yep. there for Washington. He, he destroyed him, and nobody remembers that the Capitals whooped the Flyers. They remember that Ray Emery tried to kill a guy. You know, and <laughs> that's, true. That, that's what we remember. Like We look back at that game like a fond memory where they actually got blown out like 7 nothing. Like, mm-hmm. no, we looked – that was a good game in our eyes because you, see, you want to embarrass us? Now this is happening. And, yeah. yeah, Simmons was in the lineup. I don't remember if he fought, but what I do remember is Ray Emery going to town on uh, some Washington <laughs> goaltender. Like, yeah, so it's a perfect example right there. Like, 
do we, I don't know if we ever got blown out like that again until t- this game, this past game against the Rangers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you do not mess with the Flyers. That used to be our mantra. That used to be a real thing. Now we're just softies. If you you get ahead of us or if you score right after we score, they're not only physically weak, they're mentally weak. Like, everything about this team is soft and weak, and that's why they're sinking like a stone in the standings. When they were winning, we saw these issues. And as we had been saying, we're worried it's going to come to fruition. And sure enough, it did. And look, look, look at us now. You know how bad this timing of this press conference was. How nothing's been done. Everything looks—it just looks like shit. I, I honestly don't believe they make the playoffs. If they stand pat, which kind of what Fletcher made me think he was going to do, I don't think that they—they they don't make the playoffs. Hoping and praying that everybody just magically gets better when everybody's confidence is zero is a horrible way to do this. And here's another thing. Word gets out. Other teams are watching. Other te- other players are talking. Word gets out. If, if you're a soft team, word gets out. And other teams start to get amped up to play a little bit because they know they got a shot at scoring tonight. Do you know what I mean? You, you played sports. When, when you knew you were playing an easy team to play against, you were like, oh, maybe I can score once or twice tonight. You got a little bit extra amped up to know that you could get on the score sheet. And I think that's what's happening. Teams are getting excited to play the Flyers because they know that they can they can just outplay them physically. They can outplay them uh, speed-wise. They can outplay uh, them mentally. Like, the Flyers are easy to play against. Teams look forward to playing the Flyers right now. They're Dude, there soft. was a game I went to for a street – it was street hockey or roller hockey, one or the other. And I remember the other team's goalie didn't show up. And a kid went out there, no pads, no nothing. And right before we dropped the ball – because it wasn't a puck, it was a bowl. Uh, they, somebody ran out like a regular – they swapped out his hockey stick for a goalie stick. Other than that, <laughs> nothing, nothing. Like it was the assistant coach or something. And I remember thinking that too. I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to have my first hat trick today. <laughs> there you, know, you I, go, right? Yeah, I'm like, this guy, like, it's going to be a feeding frenzy. And you're 100% right. Teams have to look at the Flyers and think that for sure. Yeah, it's and, blood in the water. How many times, though, have you seen – a certain player hasn't scored in the last 10 games, but they scored tonight. Didn't it happen the other night? First NHL, yeah, exactly. First NHL, how about Zabitajad? was completely cold all year. Six point second period, not a six point night. All right, was it a six? It was six point second period. Yeah, right? Six points in a period, exactly. yeah. Insane. Insane. Only the Flyers. Only the Flyers. It's true. So here's a, a comment from Megan McHenry. We have little to no aggressiveness on our team. Lawton has the heart, but we need a couple bodies that can do something back uh, that's just as physical as these other teams. Yeah, I agree. That's pretty much everything we're talking about now. Um, That's what I'm kind of interested to see what Fletcher does because what he did last year, I mean, I'll I'll root for guys like Nate Thompson and uh, Derek Grant all day long, but at the end of the day, those guys, they didn't really cut it. And if if he goes out and gets two more similar guys like that, they're not going to cut it. He needs to go out. Get guys that serve a purpose, that throw the body, that aren't afraid to get to the dirty areas. I want bigger body dudes. Nate Thompson, a little bit. If he had a prime, he's he's definitely past it. Derek Grant, I feel like is he's a lot like the players that they have on this team now. Uh, and I mean, like the Flyers have big players in the sense of height, but they're they're very easy to push around, and that's kind of what I. They're they're uh, string beans. Yeah, that's like kind of. That. Yeah. That's kind of how I saw Derek Grant as too. Like, like you know, probably a nice guy, but I don't, I don't want to see him back on my team. You know, go get somebody that can crash and bang a little bit. You know, gets get this team fired up because that's what's missing. 
You know what? When things are going bad, they don't have anybody out there that can turn the tide, the emotional tide. You know, they start to sulk, you know, and that's the kind of shit that makes the makes them hard to watch for me. Because once I once I start to see these millionaires kind of sulk on the bench, you know, it's kind of like what a bunch of pussies, man. I can't watch this. Right. So that that's what kind of that's what I kind of can't stand. I hope they go out and get a couple guys. Let's read one more comment over here before we get back to the press conference. So Sean Connors, Sean, thanks for hanging out with us. Sean writes, I feel like I'm just not sure a move for one player is gonna isn't gonna solve the problem for us to make a push. Yep. We're not physical anymore and turnovers are killing us constantly. Yeah, that's pretty much what we're talking about now. They're they're more than a move or two away. Uh they need to acquire D, obviously, and a couple a couple of uh sprinkle in a couple uh role playing guys. So thanks for your comment there, Sean. Uh, Jack, I'm gonna get back to the press conference here. I'm gonna ask you uh this question, next question. What's your degree of concern organizationally that you might have overestimated the talent of the young players? That This is a big question. What are your thoughts there, Jack? Um, it's a very good question. Judging by this season, you would, you know, be very hesitant to uh, where your evaluations are with players. And you know, he's talking about Sandheim and Myers, easily. Oh, yeah. maybe even a, a touch of heart, but I don't, I personally think that's okay. Um, it's one year. We, especially in Sandheim's case, we've seen them him play a lot better. Um, I do believe that you and, and Provorov is in this mix too a little bit. Um, I do think the loss of Niskanen has significantly hurt that. Uh, you don't just take a guy to, by himself and throw put him. God forbid they were starting the season with Justin Braun as his partner. That's part of the issue here. Let, let's not like I don't want to give them full you know a pass, especially Provorov. Mm-hmm. But let's be real. Like, you got to give them a legitimate partner to play with. Like, every major defensive player, like Pronger, all them, they always had somebody who was some kind of relevant. You know, they were something good. They weren't a third-line pairing guy. And that's part of the problem. We're asking guys like Braun, Hag, Gustafson to play minutes they shouldn't be playing, even Ghost. Like, these guys are third-pairing guys being put on the second and first pairing. Not only is that a... Recipe for disaster. It's going to hurt their partners, and that's Provorov's case. As far, far as Sanheim and Myers are concerned, Sanheim had a better start to his season and it started to fall off. Um, I just think that they're in over their head at this point. Their confidence level is at zero, and they're questioning everything they do. Myers I'm a little concerned with. I do think it's like a sophomore thing for him. This is like his second like full season-ish kind of thing. Um it's way too early to be worried like that. These are human beings. Let's let's be real here. It's a weird season. Uh, There are deficiencies all throughout this lineup. Nobody's helping anybody. Goaltending the forwards, the whole nine. I am not ready to freak out or anything like that. If I get a good deal for one of these guys, I definitely consider it. But am I worried about my over-evaluation of these guys? Not yet. Not even close. They're way too young. Defense especially takes the longest to develop. I guess you could argue goaltending, but defense really takes a long time to develop in the NHL. Yeah, and Chuck gave a similar answer here. So to just sum it up real quick, he's not worried about these younger players. He knows that they're going to be good players for a long, long time in this league. Uh, He used... And I'm going to say it, he used another, he used this season as the excuse that it's not like any other season. Some players have adjusted and handled it better than others. Uh, and some teams have handled it better than others. And I'm, I'm going to be tough, but 
as a, a fan, as somebody who pays to watch this team, spends money on the team, I don't want to hear that other teams are handling what everyone else is going through better than you. Like if you want to be the best, I don't want to hear that other other teams and other players are handling it better. Why isn't our team handling it better, right? So if I'm being a jerk, if I'm being a, a jerk fan, that's my response. But uh, I think, I'm sorry, I'm reading here. Chuck replied, I think you want to be careful over analyzing the results of this season. And, you know, it goes back into the whole, it kind of sounds like this season is, you know, he, he's, taking a pass on it whatever happens this year happens because it's a 50 some odd game season it's not like any other year you're playing the same teams eight times a year and it's just it was an underwhelming response i think for me yeah it's it's tough i i can see why he would say that i don't necessarily disagree at the same time i'm not giving the players a pass like it's still hockey you know you're still nhl hockey at the pro level, at the top level, and other teams, if you've alluded to, are doing just fine playing five games in seven nights. Like, we're not the only ones doing it. Like, stop making excuses. That was what I was going to say. What was the uh, the the uh, saying last year? Like, this year it's any time, anywhere, whatever the hell. I don't even know what. I think it's the same thing. I don't know. What is well, it? Well, at one point it was fly or die, but I think after Limbaugh got <laughs> cancer, they canceled that. Next year is going to be no excuses. No yeah. more excuses. That's next year's tagline. No more excuses. This is it. If you fuck up, you're done because you've had enough chances. Um, and I mean, this is one that I wasn't – I heard this question, and it, it feels to me like a juicy question. Um, and it, it can be, but there's, they're just too young for me to be like, oh, what's he going to say? So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. So I, I'll, I'll pass on that. Uh, look what uh, Meg McHenry said that what will Ch- when this uh, continues into the next season, what will Chuck's excuse be? That's the tagline. No more excuses. There are no more excuses next year. Don't Print the shirt. No more excuses. That that is the tagline. I've already said it. It's done. Patent that. We're putting on putting yeah. that on t-shirts. No more excuses. That's good. Oh man. All right. So let's move on to our next question here. And this was a little bit juicier because. Uh, you know, it, it kind of directly asking Chuck, uh, are you going to do anything to improve this team or do you think they're good enough to make the playoffs, specifically improve the defense? Uh, and Jack, I think, you know, we're on the same page here. So I kind of know your response. You would absolutely try to improve the defense. No, I mean, it's almost like you didn't have to ask a question. Be like, so uh, yeah. Chuck, the defense go, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, come on. It's like, are we adding two or three guys? Which is it? Um, yeah, it's it's the worst kept secret in, in you know the league, and it's not even really kept. It's it's out there every night, nationally broadcasted to see how horrible they are. They need to do more than replace Niskin. They need to replace Niskin in. They need to add somebody who's relative uh, competent. Just that's just the word competent on on the back end. Like I really think they could get rid of a few guys. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Obviously, Gustafson's gone. Uh, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they move Ghost for something because I know people love his offense, but he's completely inept on defense. Um, I wouldn't mind him on the fourth or third pairing, rather, but at what he's making, it's a little hard to stomach. Um, if our power play was better and he was doing things more consistently, not just leading the defensemen in goals for three weeks, whatever it was, and just get, having people blow by him on, on defense, you know, if you – 
were able to just get like two legitimate guys in here, play one overall, play one with Sanheim, because you're stuck with Braun for another year, put Braun on the bottom pairing and swap him and out with Hag at times with like Myers, like, you know, until he starts playing better. Now you're talking. You know, we just obviously discuss Ekholm. We obviously discuss Ellis. We're not getting both those guys, but like a Savard and Ellis or Ekholm, something along those lines. Maybe even a lesser talent than Savard. They need to do something like that. Somebody who's an NHL defenseman who just does his job. You're not asking him to, you know, score goals for you. We got enough offensive defensemen. Like we just need guys who know how to do the basics of defense, not like guys hang out in your crease and have tea. Like I'm tired of the tic-tac-toe passing where everybody involves wide open, the two on O's, the three on O's. Like we're, I'm just, we're just done with that. We need people who know to get back, not pinch at the wrong times and everything under the sun. And I, you know, it's, it's anybody could have said this, like my, you know, my wife who barely watches could have told you this. We got a, a comment here, Jack. You're going to laugh at this one. Maybe they'd be doing better if you lit the candle, Jim. Jack, I have not lit that Travis Konechny candle since the first month of the season. So I guess I'll try to do my part there. Well, my, my candle lighting died uh, once this team just stopped trying and stopped showing up. <laughs> like, I remember one night I'd have a friend over. I'd be like, yeah, what, who, who, who do we need tonight? And I, I would say the four players who are on the candles, and I'll let him pick one. And I'm like, all right. And I pull out the candle and light it, you know. And then they started losing at like a record pace and getting embarrassed. And I was like, I'm thinking I'm going to keep the candle. <laughs> like, it, it's unbelievable because I like lit that heart candle like three times. And I'm just like, we might have to figure something out. We might have jinxed her. We might have put the hex on him with the candle. I think it was my fault, honestly. <laughs> I like him so much, and he just never rewards me. Yeah, we got to light him at the same time or something there. And uh, if you guys are wondering what we're talking about here, uh, check out offthepost.com. They do some great stuff. They have a bunch of flyers, candles. I think they do other sports too. But uh, check out offthepost.com. It's O-F-F, the P-O-S-T-S.com. You know, it's my right. fault because I didn't get the gritty candle. I got all the players, but I was like, I don't need the gritty candle. You know, I should have got the gritty candle. That's It's a gritty curse. That's what it is for me. I hate gritty so much, man. Jeez, <laughs> really? I like him. They got to get rid. Ever since Grady came around, things have just been going downhill. They they peaked up for a couple months last year and then right back down. Uh, okay, let's kind of skip over. over our, yeah, let's go to our next question here. Uh, considering everyone in the league is experiencing the same thing, why should we not overanalyze what's happening with this team right now? Mm. I'll pose that to you first, and then I'll kind of breeze through Chuck's response. Yeah, I mean, if they're talking about the young players, it doesn't – not every team is dealing with young players and they have a better team makeup. I think this is where it comes into uh, effect that they didn't replace Niskanen. Like, I think that's part of the issue. These guys are being thrust into roles and minutes they're not ready for, and I think that's why they're not succeeding that they should. Everybody's different. Some guys are ready to go from day one, like your Austin Matthews. Like, those guys – Connor McDavis, they they play, they hit the ice, and they're just they go. Other guys take time, and you know guys like Lindblom, they're he's playing better, he's coming around. Patrick, a little bit. The results aren't really there, but he's starting to you know play a little bit. The defense combined with how bad the goaltending has been, that is a complete shit show. I don't know how they come out of that. Um, I don't think very many young players who have had to take the step up like they have because of the loss Niskanen have played in a season like this. Nor do I think very many other teams around the league have like this many young slash rookie defensemen 
stepping up with little to no leadership. So they don't get a p- complete pass, but I can kind of understand why he would want to punt on the season. Uh, he, it comes down to he didn't do enough to, to support these guys. That's the problem. You know, Charlie McAvoy's got a Stanley Cup caliber roster in Boston. You know, like the Flyers don't have that here. Like they don't have anybody picking them up like that. They're just young kids saying, okay, it's your ball. Go with it. Uh, well, we never dealt with this before. We won one round in the playoffs, which technically was against a team that wouldn't have made the playoffs. Um, you know, so like that's an issue. You know, like they're not there. They're not mentally ready for that yet. And I, I think they needed more veteran presence and really a better guy up top to show them take take the hard minutes off of them. That that's what it is. That, so you need Niskanen ate a lot of hard minutes and took a little pressure off of Proveroff and that pairing in general took pressure off the rest of the defense. And now that that's gone, you're seeing the effects. Jack, your response would have been a thousand times better than Chuck Fletcher's response. You know why? Hmm. Because if you were Chuck Fletcher, you would have took accountability for the for the reason why things <laughs> are the way they are. Things are the way they are because he did not go out and address. Uh, he didn't go out and get experienced uh, defense for Proveroff to play with, Sanheim Myers to play with. Instead, he went out and signed a jerk off like Eric Gustafson. <laughs> He's got immature Shane uh, Shane Gossespierre still floating around here. Robert Hagen, Justin Braun's fine for for leadership purposes, but. He alone cannot, you know, kind of navigate these younger kids through a season like this. And his response was kind of uh, passing off blame a little bit. Like, oh, we've never been through a season like this. Like, keep, Some guys are struggling. Some guys are not. Some teams are handling it better. Some guys are not. Well, if you go and look at the standings, Jack, the teams that are handling it better are the teams with experienced vets. Go look. The flyer Chuck Fletcher did not go out and get those guys. He signed Eric Gustafson. Why did he? It's his responsibility to put the correct personnel in place. He he didn't do a good enough job, you know. Because if we're talking about you know holding hands through this weird season, right? Because that's pretty much the answer that he gave. Pretty much was you know the the it's an off year. There's certain challenges that some guys are facing that others aren't. Well, did you get them adequate help? Did you bring in the right players that can help them navigate through these tough times? No, you didn't, right? Man up and admit your fault. Admit your mistake. Instead, you know, he chose to make the excuse that it's a weird year, blah, blah, blah. His expectations are that they'll find their path again. How? For next season, after this season, you know, it's gone? Just wasting another year of Claude Giroux, another year of Jake Voracek, right? Another year of JVR. That's not... I. I that answer, I, I don't think really – it didn't fly with me because every every answer that he gives, Jack, it's kind of like, you know, I'm punting on this season. If we make the playoffs good, put a couple fans in seats, if we get past the, the first round again, you know, it was only a 50-game season, we'll reset for next year. What are we doing here then if this season doesn't really count, right? So your answer was was a thousand times better because you actually took accountability. He he failed to do that in that answer. Uh Let's move on for our. They fail to do a lot as an organization. They truly do. They do. How does this year fit into the pattern of the past seasons going all the way back to 2013? (laughs) Wow. Let me just read you his first sentence of his response. I haven't been here that long. (laughs) 
And that was his first sentence. So go ahead, Jack. I mean, how does this year fit into the pattern of past seasons going all the way back to 2013? I don't know. That's a weird question, I think. Uh, I mean, it, it it kind of ignores last year. But other than that, it's completely within the pattern. He is the third amigo to Hackstall and Hextall. <laughs> like, I mean, it's exactly that. Teams don't show up for a big game, get blown out. They are losing heavily to do enough they don't do enough to tie the game and get to overtime. They like come up short. So if you're a scoreboard watching, oh, the Flyers lost five to four. Well, did you know they were losing five to one the whole game? You know, <laughs> they scored like two goals in the third and added one very late, but still didn't tie it. Like that's what Hackstall in Hackstall used to do. They didn't add enough to help the current team. That's a, that's another thing that Hackstall never did. You know, he added JVR at the very end of his tenure. That's it. Um, Hackstall, I don't see much of that with him except for the results of the teams. I've seen some stuff on uh, on Twitter like, oh, is all the is Hackstall actually a bad coach? Yes, he is. Like, let's not kid ourselves. He could he re- he refused to start an optimal lineup. You guys like Oscar Lindblom? So do I. He would bench him for Dale Weiss. If Vandevelde would play top top minutes at the end of important games, as would McDonald. Like, at least AV is putting the right guys out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I could see the flat, the, uh, Hexall matchup there, except for Fletcher or Hexall rather, he was still rebuilding. We were ready as a fan base to move on to, okay, it's time to win where Hexall was like, no, 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 we're still rebuilding where Fletcher has come in and been like, spent all the money that he finally got, Fle- uh, Hexall finally got out of here. He's like, we're ready to win. And we come to this season. It, that should still be the mantra. Correct. Like we spent all that time you know, shedding all that salary and doing all that embarrassing losing. So the fact that we're having this result with that matches our rebuilding years, that's a little concerning. So if I were Fletcher too, I'd probably say, well, wait a minute, I haven't been here that long because it's like, you're here to win. We brought you in here to win and we just compared you to our rebuilding years. So that's pretty embarrassing. It's, it's almost like calling them out a little bit, Yeah, you know? So uh, again, yeah. to answer the question, does it fill in? Yeah, it's it's a major step back, and there's not much else I could say. Like shit happens. I didn't do enough in the off season, like I, as everybody else did. But I was the most active. I would like to point out, I was never not on my phone, and I'm still I'm on my phone right now. Uh, nobody's answering. Nobody wants any of my shit players. But I was the most active. Yet all these other teams got shit done. They're all looking better, and we're sitting where we're sitting, and we're sinking faster than a stone in water. So I'm going to move on to this next question here. And part of the answer that Chuck gives continues to point to he's already looking ahead to next year. He's already looking past this season. It's almost like he could foresee how this was going to play out. And he knew that this was not going to be his year to go all in because, I mean, let's let's look at this roster real quick before I, I put this question out there, Jack. On paper – this this roster, at least offensively, it's very good. Okay, but then you start to look down the lineup a little bit, and you see Oscar Lindblom, first season back since you know chemo, cancer. Uh, what can you really expect from him? Right, he's got to work his body up the, back to full strength. No one expected what to, for him to be what he was before he went out. Um, the other player is Nolan Patrick. On paper, Nolan Patrick's very good. It looks very good as your three C but he hadn't played for over a year, 
right? And before the season, we all said, if he just plays in every single game, that is a plus. We're getting that. He's playing in every single game, but we're not getting enough from him, you know? And it, and it was going to be like that. I don't think anybody, except for Kyle maybe, I don't think anybody expected him to put up, I don't know, 25 to 30 points in a 50-some-odd game season. I didn't. Um, so when you consider those two things, you're missing two very key players, two players that are very key to your success. And I'm wondering if Chuck kind of saw, saw the same thing and figured, you know, let's get these guys a year in and then we'll go for it in 21-22, which kind of sucks. Um, but again, given his responses – kind of looks like that's his mindset it's a little bit frustrating so here's the question can you assess oscar Lindblom's and nolan patrick's seasons so far also do you see sam moran being up with the flyers at some point thoughts there jack yeah i mean Lindblom is starting to come around he had a little bit of a slow start he'd have some games where he throw his body around uh some of his early success on the scoreboard was more in my opinion, more luck, but now he's starting to come out of a shell a little bit, which is nice to see. Patrick has seems to be playing a little bit better. It would not reflect that in the stats, uh, which is unfortunate, but I, we're, I think he's playing a little bit better now than he has been all season. Um, and just to go back to your point real quick, um, where we would say we want Patrick to play all season, that comment is a little tongue-in-cheek. Yes, we want him to play every single game. That's all that matters. Well, you you can't have a player play every single game in your lineup and not produce. Like that, this especially a forward. Like you, you can't or center even. Like you can't have that. So while we said that we're happy that he's playing every night, we are. He needs to produce. Like it, it's a big thing. Like he needs to produce. Enough with the excuses. He's playing a lot. He's there every night. Like let's go. Um, as far as Sam Moran is. I, Hooray! I, I mean, from what I thought, I heard he's still getting used to the pace of the game. I think I read that today. I think Fletcher said that, which is a little concerning because he was was he not already up with the team? So I I, I don't know. Um, I don't think he's an NHL player at wing at D at wherever the hell they decide to put the guy. If he makes his way up into the lineup, it'll be for grit purposes and grit purposes only, um, and that's great, I guess. But that's not going to do enough to make this team anything. Yeah. Uh, next question here, because I kind of want to start going through these a little bit. So there was a question about Morgan Frost. Do you have a rehab update of Morgan Frost? And what is your assessment of a few Phantoms players that have battled injuries, such as Wade Allison and Tanner Lazinski, our old friend, Lanner Tazinski? Uh, so the update on Morgan Frost was that he's about eight weeks post-surgery. Uh, they expect him to be ready to play by the end of May, there's a small chance he could be back by the end of the season, but he'll definitely uh, be back to work out over the summer uh, to rehab, which which is great. Uh, kind of a lost season there for Morgan Frost, which was a shame. So a little update there. Uh, he's, he was quoted as saying he's doing very well, and he's probably a little bit ahead of schedule. Uh, as for the other guys, says there's a lot of talent, been a little frustrating in the sense that a lot of the kids have dealt with injuries or COVID or both. Uh, they could be a factor into call-up roles, uh, the gaining experience, gaining games. They're getting some of that stuff now. Maybe in the next week or two, some of those kids will get a chance to play up here. Does that instill confidence in your team going for the playoffs, Jack, that, that we're hearing about young kids potentially – 
sneaking into the roster here. Sounds like so. Once we're officially eliminated from making the playoffs, we can bring up the young kids and see what they got. That's yeah. what I got out of that. Yep. I mean, yeah. if they're bringing comment. up anybody, it's defensive purposes. Like if they're serious about this year. And from what I heard, Zamula, I don't know if he had a rough go of it lately or was injured or something, but it doesn't sound like he's coming up anytime soon. Next question here, and this is an interesting one for you, Jack. So this is to Chuck Fletcher. You mentioned before there were some players that have handled quarantine better than others. Is Carter Hart one of those players that have been impacted by the way of the world? What are your thoughts there, Jack? Do you think this is impacting the younger guys? Do you think Carter Hart's kind of going through some stuff and maybe that's reflecting in his play? Or do you think just if the defense was better, he would be able to just play better? I honestly can't speak for his personal life with COVID, but from what I see on the ice, it's pretty easy to point to the defense. I mean, this team, I don't know any goalie that could play behind this team outside of Hasha. I've said that a thousand times. But his confidence is zero right now. He's get, he gives up three goals because he's got no chance in hell. It's either a two on zero breakaway, tic tac toe pass. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's getting the guys away in front of him. And then he gives up a softy, and the fan base ro- just pours down on him. And he's at the point now where he is playing very bad, and he's just lost in space. Um, I don't. COVID might suck, but. I can't see how the defense in front of him is like the number one, two, and three reason why he's playing the way he is. And everybody's quick to point to Elliott. Well, you're starting to see the more Elliott plays, the more that these holes in the defense get through. He started that game against the Rangers. Let's not forget that. He, he gave up five before they brought they pulled him. So he's seeing the he's playing better than Hart by far. Don't get me wrong, but he's seeing the effects of this defense as well. So I what I can see is a defense affecting all their goalies, but I can't picture Hart being more affected by the way of the world. It's been a full year now than that defense and how atrocious it is. Like no joke, Philly's bullpen, and we we've made this comparison before. They were one of the worst in the history of the MLB, and the question got brought up: Are they the worst? unit in all Philly sports. And then the Flyers defense said, hold my beer. <laughs> and that's exactly what I've seen this season. Yeah, that's a pretty good comparison there, man. It's they they've been brutal to watch. So I think that kind of ties into the next question asked here. Is there any regret on your part for not addressing the top four on defense? And I'll just read uh, his answer very quickly here. Chuck was quoted as saying they aggressively looked for a lot of options uh, during the off season uh, their cap st- situation did not help. He mentioned how, you know, if you're going to bring in salary, you got to move out salary. And first guy that comes to my mind is why is Shane Gossespear still on this team? Why didn't you could have moved the pick to get him off your roster, right? We saw it during the offseason, guys. I mean, a little bit older players with only a year left on their contract. I think Ghost has three, maybe four years left. I have to go back and look at that. But it's a little bit harder to move a guy with – you know, multiple years remaining on his contract at what, 4.4, 4.5, something like that. Um, if they were going to sell Ghost, I would say it's got to be now because he was he was playing fairly well. Um, yeah, to me, that was another excuse because you saw teams go out and make moves. You saw the Golden Knights make room for Alex Pietrangelo, moving Nate Schmidt. Room for? 
yeah, moving Nate Schmidt. And I think they moved a third round pick with Nate Schmidt to the Vancouver Canucks. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, either that or they received a third round pick, something like that. But they cleared space in order to bring in another player, a better player, a top pairing player. And look where the Knights are today. I'm not saying it's all because of Pietrangelo, but look what the GM is doing for that team. They're, they're a brand new team. I think, what is this, their third year, Jack? Third or fourth year? Yeah. And they're in a much better situation than the Philadelphia Flyers right now as far as, far as chances to win a Stanley Cup, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I like how he was asked a direct yes or no question, and he went to the excuse soundboard. Well, uh, well, um, this season was pretty tough with the flat cap, and uh, we were hamstrung, and trades were tough. We were actually very aggressive, and they got nothing done. And as you just showed, other teams did. Other teams brought in not just any defenseman. Like, they went for the top available free agent who made over $8 million, and they made room for him. And they were already a team that was – they went to the conference finals, did they not? Yep. I mean, they're there and they're already improving their team that much. And they didn't even get rid of Flurry. They still hung on to him. Like, and, and that's paying dividends for them right now. But like, they made it happen. On the contrary, like everybody went, oh, well, the Vancouver Canucks added uh, Nate Schmidt. And I hate that contract. And how good are the Canucks doing this year? Dude, they're bad. They're like the Flyers over there. I picked this guy. Dude, everybody can laugh at me real quick. I picked the Vancouver Canucks and the Philadelphia Flyers to go to the Stanley Cup this year. Not looking too great. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> that's why we don't have a crystal ball, Jimmy. I mean, it is what it is. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it. like if they're stuck with that contract, like he's not a decent player, but for that, the years and money on that, I, I don't want that. You know, yeah. I, that's one thing I'll defend Fletcher on not adding, oh, we need defense. Let's get this guy who's like a little overpaid and long amount of years. And three of those years are probably going to be flat cap error years. We'll give up only a third round pick, but we'll be significantly uh, will be strapped for the auction with Seattle and just signing our own guys going forward will be an issue. So yeah. that, I don't think that was the, you see how Vegas got rid of a guy like that and they're trending upwards and Vegas or uh, Vancouver plummeted downwards. So the main point being it, does he feel regret? He should just say, uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's the answer. That yeah. is the stone cold answer. He went straight to the excuses because he knows that's the answer. And it's like, come on, like you, everybody saw that. That was an easy one. And he, he just, he's wrong. It was almost he, like he knew he, the questions. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you know? he did. Uh, so we're coming up on an hour here and I, I'm going to ask, I'm, we'll go over one more question from the press conference and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap up here. It's already eight fifteen. Holy shit. Has there been any difference this season in terms of taking on draft picks, at least for 2021, just because of what a disjointed year it's been for a lot of the other leagues. And so this question, it kind of pertains to, you know, the picks that you have in 2021. Do you want to use those because you haven't been able to scout players the same way? Are picks in 2022 perceived as more valuable? Uh, And before we talk about it, I'll just go over Chuck's response because I thought it was a little bit interesting. Uh, So he responded, I've talked to a couple teams that prefer to take the picks in 2022 for that very reason to add more certainty. Uh, In some cases, teams have let some of their scouts go and don't feel they have the coverage they normally would. Spoken to other teams that see opportunity in 2021 because they feel there could be more randomness. And having more picks, you might be able to get some pretty good players in the mid to late rounds because of the lack of viewing. 
I'm not sure there's a consensus on that, but I've seen it both ways. So that's that's kind of interesting, Jack. So picks in 2021 and 2022 are in play. Uh, what are your thoughts there? I mean, it makes a good point. If uh, you're going to trade 2021 picks, if I'm a team acquiring picks, I, I don't. I'm not necessarily shooting for top picks in 2021. I want I want more quantity than I do quality because I agree with that. Like these guys haven't played. Teams did let their scouts go. There was issues like financially. So if you can get a, a bunch of lottery tickets, this is the best lottery you could have with them not being able to properly rank these players. They haven't seen them play, and there's so much progression from like your sophomore to junior year or your junior to senior and whatnot like there's a lot of progression that happens when guys got drafted and went to the nhl or to other leagues or they were already drafted and graduated and now like a guy like um denoyes i believe he the reason the flyers selected him last year is because he was set to take a, a, a better a higher role with that team because whoever was in front of him got drafted or whatever so like you were supposed to see that with these guys coming out in the draft a lot of these different guys and you didn't see them play they were ready to step up so you don't really know what you have you're going by when they their stats from a previous year when they played on the third line or the second line or whatever so i understand that so they really hope they did they're going to dig up their 2019 notes and get a bunch of draft picks and just see what happens you know yeah. And I, I get that. Um, unfortunately, having a top pick in 2021 first rounder, it's not going to be as valuable in my eyes. I'm looking at multiple picks compared to higher picks. Now in 2022, it's different. It's that's different. However, if I'm the Flyers, I'm trading everything under the sun from now to 2023 because what do we have to draft for? It's time to win now. That's why Fletcher was brought in here. We're not mm-hmm. farting around. Like, let's go. If you want to trade some players off our team now to act, you know, to shed some money and bring in picks, you're not going to draft with those picks. You're going to trade those as well to add more to this team. And that's exactly what they should do. So it is interesting. I'm glad he's aware of this. I'm sure everybody knows this. Uh, let's see if he does anything about it because he has the picks to dangle because he doesn't need to draft right now. He needs to make moves for the now. I agree. If a team wants your 2022 first round pick, throw in your 2021 first round pick. Give them two first. What do you, like I I get the value of picks, and so I don't want people to get me wrong because as soon as somebody's like, "Oh, trade all the picks," you know the the argument is, "Oh, you don't see the value in picks." Blah blah blah. Yeah, I do. I understand it. I like having the picks. I like, you know, drafting and developing a farm system. But at what point, at what point is there just too many guys down on the farm? They're not all going to play on your team. Start moving some of these younger guys. Start moving some of these picks. Guys that you know that are not going to be in the fold, start packaging them in deals while they still have some values. There's still some unknowns about them. Maybe teams still see some potential in some of these younger kids. Like, uh, the Flyers are are full at wing. There's not a lot of these younger players that play wing right now are not going to crack this Flyers roster, especially not if JBR is around, Voracek, Konechny, Farabee. Uh, I mean, throw some names out there. Lawton's playing left wing. I know he's on the last last year of his deal. Albe Kubel, Giroux usually plays left wing. There's not too many wing spots open. So guys like Isaac Ratcliffe, uh, I know we're talking about Tanner Lazinski playing bottom six minutes. Uh, I know a lot of people like Wade Allison. Toss some of these guys around in deals. If it can bring you back a Ryan Ellis or, or you know, a rock solid defenseman to play the the heavy minutes like we we were talking about earlier, 
make some moves, package them in deals. If you have to give up a 2021 first round pick, awesome, dude. That's two years away. Who? We don't know if Claude Drew is going to be here in two years. His contract's up. We want to. I want to see Claude Drew win a Stanley Cup, man. As much as I, you know, I like to bust his balls or I like to bust his team's balls. The ultimate goal, the whole reason we watch this team, is to watch them win a Stanley Cup. And they're not going to do it by, you know, drafting first round picks. You got to start trading some of these things. I was, I was already kind of on board with moving these picks anyway for players. So all the more reason to go buck wild. Not yeah. for this year. I'm not saying trade two first round picks for a guy for a one year deal. No, no. Something like if it was, God forbid, I know he's hurt, but like Ryan Ellis, cause he's got an eight year deal or whatever, like somebody who you're going to take going forward makes sense. You know, even Ekholm, if you uh, want to re-sign him, I'm not saying give up all your picks you have, which it seems like they're asking for, but I don't want to. I don't want to trade for Savard and not re-sign him or right. something along those lines. Like you have to make the right decision on the right player, but let's not hoard these picks. We don't necessarily need them. We didn't move them this past off season. We drafted some guys, and honestly, I, I think Fletcher did pretty well. The early reports with Zade Wisdom and guys and Denoye, like those are like fifth and fourth round picks, and we haven't really even seen what the top dogs can do yet. On top of already having a pretty decent farm, let's move guys out of here that we don't think we can use, or you know, or we're eventually going to let these guys walk. They're going to sign somewhere else, and they're probably going to wind up in the NHL anyway. If they might not be as good as we thought they were, but why they still have? that shred of value like a Radcliffe. Let's sneak them into deals to get something done. Like, yep. like Fletcher didn't even draft half these guys. So we should have no real attachment. Nope. And this is a, a topic maybe for another show, but there were some people on Twitter today kind of, you know, wishing Paul Holmgren was still around. <laughs> Could you imagine what he would do with this, uh, with, with these prospects, with this team? You know, it would I at saw. least be fun. At the very least, it would be fun. There would be some shred of interest, some fun around this team. This team would already be better in my my eyes. Yeah. He doesn't need Snyder to still be alive. I remember how Holgram worked. I remember when things weren't working, what he would do. And he that guy had balls of steel. Like People were so quick to hate on him, and they forget like a lot of his good deals, how he brought in team in Hartnell, you know, how he, he just revamped that team from – I don't want to say worse at first, but they were the worst team in the league. And then they were like in the Eastern conference championship against, you know, the penguins in a year or two later after that, like he, he can rebuild a team on the fly and pretty quick got a little quirky towards the end. I'm, I believe that was mostly because Snyder knew his time was short. Um, if he had these picks and these prospects, which he really never had at his time, like actual assets, which he could move, he would have moved them. I believe that, you know, we'd already, we would have already had a better defenseman in the off season. And if by some miracle, we didn't, uh, after the first bad week, this team had, we would have had a new defenseman in here. It may not have been at home, but it would have been somebody. And it would have been somebody better than like three or four of our starters, which is the same, sure. but it's, it's an upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of going to bring us to the end of our show. The Flyers play tomorrow night. Thursday against the New York Rangers. Uh, they play them against Saturday. Is that correct? It's not a back-to-back, right? No, it's – it's the schedule – maybe – no, it's not – there's no back-to-backs for a bit. I'll pull up the schedule real quick. Real quick. I just want to make sure there are no back-to-backs because if there are, we're going to – that's all we're going to hear about. That's why that, that was mentioned in the press conference, 13 games in 21 days, and it's like, well, everyone else has to do that. You guys just lost team. a lot of them. 
They're the only team dealing with COVID. They're the only team dealing with the bad schedule. It's just them and nobody else. So, yeah, we got no back-to-backs. Rangers, Rangers, Buffalo, Buffalo. Island, they have two days off after Buffalo, so let's bring that up. Um, Islanders, their next back-to-back, oh, this is going to be a shit show, is uh, April 5th and 6th against Boston, both games against Boston, and it's a home-on-home. So, um, yeah, they're going to blow both those games. Um, Yeah, but no back-to-backs until then, so no, I don't hear any excuses. They got a little two days off in between after these four games, so – yeah, uh, I'm sure they're going to fuck this up. I, I don't see them doing much against New York. I'm sure they'll pick up some points against Buffalo because even they're still better than that team at this point. It, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Um, they might come out of this and give teams, give fans rather, some hope that they, uh, they're they not actually that bad. Then we're going to start playing some real teams again, and you're going to see real quick, unless something is done, that this is uh, probably a lost season at this point. Yeah, that's kind of how it feels. So hopefully we see at least a move or some kind of shake-up or somebody goes out somewhere. Uh, other than that, all we have to look forward to is playing the New York Rangers twice and the Buffalo Sabres twice. We gave our predictions last night on the post-game show, so if you guys would like to hear those, make sure you go back and listen to the post-game show. Um, let's wrap it up. Hopefully you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Uh, those are important because they help us in the hockey podcast charts, guys. If you ever wondered why we prefer Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker, that's why. You can also find our stuff on fullpresscoverage.com. And as soon as this weekend, bellyupsports.com. Just partnered up with Belly Up Sports. We have a lot of good things coming. Very excited to team up with those guys. You'll be able to find us in the podcast section. Just go to podcasts and main menu and go to hockey pods. You, you'll find us there. There's some more good podcasts there, guys, too. Uh, some from other teams, other markets. Make sure you give them a listen. Uh, very good stuff. And hopefully, since you're in the mood to check out websites, you check out ours, hwhockey.net. Let us know what you think. If you guys want any merch, I don't know if you noticed, I'm wearing an HW hat, HW shirt. Shoot us a DM. Find us on Venmo at HW18. And, uh, yeah, buy a T-shirt, buy a hat. It's koozie season. We got koozies. And, uh, yeah, we got all your summer hockey T-shirt hat needs. We'll be back next week with another episode. Hopefully we're talking about four wins. Right, Jack? Jim, that was a beautiful, beautiful ending there. You, You did everything perfectly. But if I could just add a little P.S., like a little PS at the end of the episode, there was one thing said that somehow almost got by us. I have to bring it up. Yeah. When asked about Eric Gustafson. Oh my God. Fletcher said, I think Eric had a tough start after a pretty good first game lately has played pretty well. (laughs) Good on the power play. One of our best at exiting D zone. Has been inconsistent and later said he has been as advertised. <laughs> I mean, Jim, <laughs> your thoughts? I, if this is what's ad, as advertised, why'd you pay him $3 million to do it? <laughs> if you saw Gustafson, this is the advertisement, and you pay $3 million for what we're seeing on the screen, we have a massive problem, a massive problem. Like, yeah. I get it. It's one year. You overpay a little bit, but come 
on to say he's been good at all at any point this season is a fucking joke. Come on, man. He's been so bad. That is a desperate GM trying to defend the one friggin' move he made in the offseason to make up for Niskanen, and it's an absolute travesty. And that's what he says. He's been as advertised. I think he's been pretty good. Are you serious? He's been easily the best, worst defenseman on the team. Worst. Who's been worse than Gustafson? Like he, he provides offensively at times. So if you want to argue somebody who doesn't do that, but he's been an absolute joke. Best at exiting the, the defensive zone. I've seen him literally hit his own players in the back with a puck. Is that a joke? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? You're kidding. He, he doesn't watch his own team. Like that is a major, major issue. I'm sorry. I didn't, I thought we were done, but I saw that and I almost threw up. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. If this is what was advertised, why, why did he need three million for this? I don't know. That, that didn't make sense to me. I, he, he's, oh, I don't. I don't know, man. It's scary because I, I just I flat out hope he's lying and trying to defend his decision. I think he waited out the off season to see that he can get a, a better guy in a one year deal, and he all signed multi year deals for no trade clauses and whatnot, no movement clauses. Uh, and he just said, all right, well, this is the best guy available in his mind and just signed him. Yep. That's what I hope honestly happened because everything he's saying right now, he cannot honestly believe. And this, if he, he there's the only way he believes that when we get to the offseason, he'll retain Gustafson, which he won't because he's not no, that. Not. That'd no be way. career suicide. So he like, use that three million in cap that he's talking about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So had to bring that up. Could not believe he gave him mostly high marks, but kind of sh- still shit the bed with heart, which is fine, but you're going to give Gustafson a high, high margin. Oh, he's been as advertised. He's been inconsistent. That's the worst. He said he's been inconsistent and had a tough start, but after a good first game and then said, for the most part, he's been like, Oh, he's one of the best to get the puck out of the zone, which is, is, I, is that you really believe that from what we've seen all season? There's no way in hell. Yeah. He's covering his ass. Yeah. It's a shame. That's, that's the whole corporate thing, man. Come out, cover your ass, blame it on everybody else. He, yeah, he's got all the built-in excuses, COVID, flat cap, expansion draft. He had all the excuses queued up, you know. All that they were all ready sack, to go. All that Santa sack and uh, season ticket holder money went into that player, just yep. so you know. Yep, yep. As advertised. What a fucking joke. Yep. So why don't we end it on that? We covered all, all the press conference questions. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you guys are still hanging out in the comments, thanks for hanging out with us. Hopefully we see you again next week. Everybody have a, a, a good rest of the week, a good weekend. And like we mentioned, hopefully, hopefully we're talking about four wins on next week's show.